you uh, give a talk really about uh, God, is, God is our Father. And uh, a few weeks ago, I did, or, or probably about a month ago, I did a wedding. And I was sitting down with, uh, with a guy that I was doing the wedding for. Don't worry, he's not in this room, or he's not part of, uh, part of our community, not part of Res Life. Um, I was sitting down and, and, and chatting with him, and I was going through some of the, some of the conflicts, as you know, like with a relationship, especially because you're getting married. One of my jobs is when I'm doing the pre-marriage ministry is I really just try to get the couple to argue. Um, I really want them to fight. I try to push all the buttons. Because the, what you realize is that when you're engaged, you know, especially if it's not a super long and you haven't been in a relationship for a while, you're in this facade of like, we just love each other. And, but once you get married, it's like a whole different ball. You still love each other, but, it, you know, you just don't, like, your buttons get pressed. So I'm trying to press buttons all the time, like, right? I'm trying to, like, get underneath their skin, get them to fight and argue in front of me so that we can work on how to resolve conflict. Um, and Zach and I are like, Really? You really tried to push our buttons while you're doing your pre-marriage, and it wasn't them; it was a different couple. And uh, and so I was talking to the guy, and and uh, he, oh, I'm sorry, I was talking to the girl, and and she was she was saying that one of the things one of the things that she always said that really upset him was when she says, "You're acting just like your dad." Okay. So uh, the, the guy in the relationship would, would be acting a certain way and would be, you know, really, really uh, strict and, 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 and kind of demanding. And then she would say that phrase like, wow, okay, and then would say his dad's name. And I was like, so how does that make you feel <laughs> to the guy? And, he, you know, he, was just, he said it makes him really angry. And I said, well, why does it make you feel angry? He says, because I told myself when I was a young kid that I would never be like that when I got older. <laughs> and it's this weird thing that I've, that I've noticed in, in other people and in, my, in myself also that when we're young, we look at our parents, specifically the same gender that you know, we are, so whether it's your dad or whether you look up to your mom and you're like, you know, we see all these negative things. We're like, we're never going to be like that. And then as I get older, you know, it's my birth, as I get older, every year I find myself being more and more like my dad. You know, it's like, even though you say I'm never going to be like your dad, you always end up, or maybe for Abby, it's like, you know, every year she ends up being more like, you know, her mom. And it's not like you have to be like them, but often you just, you, the, whoever your parent is, especially the same gender, they, they often, you often replicate their behavior, their, their values, and maybe their, their nuances, and maybe even their body language. <laughs> and I, I think it's just so funny how, it's interesting to see how, as I age, I act more and more like my dad. I have the, you could say the nuances, even sometimes the body language, something that we always give my dad a little bit of a hard time for, um, is, is uh, he often, well, he can sometimes repeat himself, like when he's telling a story, but then the funny, so we give him a hard time, but I often will catch myself all the time repeating myself. So I'll, like, tell a story, and then I'll tell a description, description of the story, and then I'll say the same exact description of the story again, and then I'll say it again in another way, and then I'll be like, dang it. <laughs> dang it. I'm doing that again. I'm doing that again. And, uh, and it's just a small thing, but it's just an example of how we often tend to act like our parents. And, uh, and I love my dad, who was here a few months ago when he spoke. Uh, at Access. He's, he's, he's an amazing man of God. I look up to him so much. He's a lot of, uh, a lot of the reason where I am and a lot of the, the health that I have as an individual and my relationship with God is due to the, the love that he's shown to me, the, the, the role model that he's been, um, and the prayers that he's prayed over me. Um, 
And some of us, you know, as we look to our parents, some of us, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing because we have godly parents and, and they live for God, they treat us well, they loved us. For others, uh, their parents are kind of mediocre, not mediocre in their value, but more mediocre in, in how good of a role model they've been to us. Uh, and some of us uh, have really poor role models for parents. And some of us, some of us even have, uh, didn't grow up with role models. Some of us didn't grow up with a dad. Some of us lost our moms. Some of us, some of us have grown up with, with, uh, with uh, blended families. And, and, and there hasn't been almost, a, there hasn't been a, a linear relationship with parents and whatnot. And, and that tends to affect us uh, quite dramatically as we age if, if we don't do our, our, do our work, or you could say, or make it be intentional about developing ourselves and really, really taking that to heart. And, and so tonight, what I want to do is kind of touch on the father nature of God. And, and it's a really important topic. I would, I would argue that it's the most, one of the most, imp- what's up? Whoever says the writer is about the age of Wally Alcaraz. Dude. That's so nice of you. Who is it? No, I didn't find it. Who is it? Mitch Tiffany. Sweet. <laughs> Here's your wallet. Thank you. Thank you. Nothing like a little detour. Beautiful. I was like, what is he doing? Is he, what is Don't worry. Uh, Juan. Thank you, Juan. It was on the tip of my tongue. Thank you for helping me remember his name. So what I want to, I want to throw a picture up. It's a, so oftentimes we get confused when we talk about God, right? So when we talk about God, oftentimes we don't really know who we're talking to, okay? So when I say the word God, a lot of us have different perspectives or, 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 or we, we picture something different. But the thing that we have to realize biblically is God is actually a combination or a collection of three different people. So when we refer to God, you can throw that that first image up there. So it's called the Trinity, and it's a really complicated situation that would take a whole teaching in and of itself to really confuse you even even more. But nonetheless, uh, basically, so we have God, but God is made up of three people, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And so there's three separate, you could say, people, personalities, or three different people that make up who God is. So when we say the word God, we have to realize that there's different people that we're talking to as the collection of God. Now, what you got to realize is that they are completely unified. They're completely one. They are completely one person, but three separate persons at the same time. That's why I said kind of confusing. But anyway, for all you need to know for, t- for tonight is that there's this, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to talk to you about is Jesus, who's referred to as the Son. Jesus is what we call the central figure or person of Christianity. The reason is because he's, he's so central is because without him, none of humanity could ever be brought back into relationship with God. And I want to, I want to share a verse with you that may be familiar to some, may be unfamiliar to others. But I'm going to share it with you nonetheless. It's in John 14, 6. And it says this, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to heaven except through, wait a minute. Did anyone else read that that way growing up if you grew up in the church? 
No one comes to the Father except through me. See, my whole life, as I read that, I always read it as nobody can go to heaven except through Jesus. But Jesus didn't preach that. He says, I am the only way, and he is the only way to heaven. But specifically, Jesus says, I'm the only way to the Father. You see, because Christianity is not about where you go when you die. Christianity is about the life that we live today and the hope that comes after when we die. You see, because so many Christians, so many people try to just get the get-out-of-hell-free card and give their life to God, and then they live like hell till they get there. So many, so many, so many people, they, they go to church, they do their punch card, they, they do almost the minimum work required when, when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the... So Jesus' whole, his life mission was to connect humanity to the Father. The reason he came was to connect you and me to the Father, not just to get us to heaven. Now, fortunately for us, anyone who comes through Jesus, it's like, it's like a package deal. Heaven is included. But the primary thing that Jesus wanted to do was connect humans with, with breath still in their lungs, connect them to the Father who's in heaven. That's what his mission was. And sin was a big deal, and Jesus had to deal with our sin, but he wanted to get us to the Father. So, we have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the Son, came and so that we could reach and have connection with the Father. You guys get it? Okay. So, I want to go back just a little bit about what a good father is supposed to do here on earth. Like, what? Now, what is a good father intended? What did God design dads or fathers to do while they were on the earth when they have kids? Now, and this is, you know, this is really near and dear to my heart right now as, as I just had my first kid. Remember, he's six months old next week. And so, like, my, my perspective on the father heart of God is changing drastically almost month by month, month by month. And some of the things that uh, I just wrote these, some of these things down that, that a father is supposed to provide for their kids, for their children. If you can put that list up. So just some different things is, is unconditional acceptance. You see, a good father will never, a good father always accepts his kids. A good father always provides environments to where their, their child is accepted for who they are, no matter what condition they come in. A good father give someone a name. I know it seems kind of simple, but a name is really, really important. A name is really, really important because a name gives you your identity. A name gives you significance. It gives you who you are. It gives, it gives a last name carries so much heritage and inheritance. And, and if you have the right last name with the right father, when you get a, 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 you can get a really, really hefty inheritance. And so a name is something that a good father gives to his kid Security, protection, provision. A good father provides for his kids, whether it be food, clothing, shelter. A good father will, will instill values, and a good father will give you, well, any father will give you the DNA, and you'll look just like your dad, or somewhat like your dad, a, a combination between your parents. And so this is what an earthly father does. And what I've 
something that is unfortunate is that our dads, our real fathers, can't actually give us all these things. And even what they do give us, it is a, a shadow or it's a it's an imperfect representation of what we actually need as human beings. So our dads can accept us, they can give us protection, they can give us provision, they can give us a name, but all of those things often become, they, they, they don't meet our internal soul needs as an individual. And this is where it's so important. Jesus is talking to, to uh, uh, some of the some of the Pharisees or some of the some of his disciples and whatnot, he's talking to them, and, and Jesus tells them, he says, Call no man on earth your father. He says, You have one father who's in heaven. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't like you have to disown your dad. That's not what Jesus is saying. But what Jesus is saying is, you see, what a father is supposed to give, don't go to any man. Don't go to any man to, for these needs to be met. He's saying is you have one, there is one person in all of eternity, all of creation, all of the earth, all of the universe who can give you and meet all the needs that you have as a human being. There is one person, and that is the Father. And so it's extremely crucial that each one of us Seek to understand and seek to know God as our Father. So uh, I wrote this out there. Um, you can put the next slide up. There's a, there's, put that next slide up. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll read that verse, actually. Yeah, that's, where. <laughs> sorry, I got ahead of myself. So Psalm 68 says, uh, God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. So God is a father, of, uh, that's who he is. So a part of who God is, is he is a father. You can throw up the next slide. So learning God as our father is a key element to maturing in our relationship with God. You see, each one of us, if we want to be mature followers of Jesus, we have to, have to, have to grow uh, steadily in our understanding that God meets our needs of acceptance. He meets our need for protection, meets our need for provision, meets our need for identity. You see, because so many people, they go to other places to find all of those things. You see, people go, they go to, for their need for acceptance. People go to relationships all the time. They go from relationship to relationship. They go from boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend, never being single ever because they need to be accepted in some sort of a relationship. And people go from girlfriend to girlfriend to girlfriend. Or then you have some people who are there, they, they own this idea that I never get help from anyone because I'm my own protector. And they have this, they have this almost belief in their mind that they have to protect themselves. And you have other people who... Who, who, who are trying to make a name for themselves, so they go to college and they get the degrees. And those things are not bad in them, themselves, but they go to the college, they get their degrees, they get their education, they, 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 they're, they're striving for perfection in their jobs, they're trying to get the promotion, they're trying to get all these things, and they're trying to fill the need that they have for a name and an identity with something that is counterfeit, something that's fleeting, something that will change when, when your friend or your sibling gets a better job than you and you start to feel insecure again. 
And you see, the world is looking for, to fill the needs that a father is supposed to give through artificial means. And now, I'm not here to bash anyone who does that because the reality is, is that's kind of human nature. Now, it's not okay to stay in that state, but what's good, to, what's good to realize for us is that as we continue to mature in our relationship with God, those things, those needs that we have of acceptance, of protection, of provision, of a name and an identity, of the values, that they actually don't come, they don't come from a church. They don't come from your family. They don't come from your job. They come from one place. They come from the Father who is a spirit, who is love, and it comes from a place of having a relationship with him. And so many people try to fill that need with religion. And so they go to church so that they can feel significant, they can feel acceptance, and they can feel all those things. So they come to church to try to feel that, but in reality, it's really this spirit-to-spirit connection that is the only thing that truly sustains you so that when hell or high water comes, you may be a little bit like this, but you know that God's your Father and that He will protect you and meet every need that you have according to His goodness. So I'm going to read with you, oh, throw up that next slide. So learning, so learning God is our father, but here's probably the more difficult part, because I think some of us can understand, like, make the mental ascent to say, okay, God's my father, I'm his child, but this is probably the more difficult part, is learning how to be a child of God is a key component to maturing in our relationship with God. So I kind of, I kind of think of this, like, whenever I, I think of this concept, I, I often think of the movie Shrek, Okay? Like, you remember when Shrek and, and Fiona, and she, she, she's the ogre, and, and, and Shrek comes back to the palace, and they're eating dinner, and donkey's at the dinner table, you know that scene, and, and Shrek just has no idea how to be in the presence of royalty. Like, he has no idea table manners. Shrek has no idea how to behave. And oftentimes, that's how I feel we can be. That even though we come to Jesus, we get saved, we, 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 we give our life to him, we still are stuck, and we're like, now what? Uh, and so learning to be a child of God is one of the key elements to maturing as a Christian. Now, how do we learn how to be a child? We have to get in the word. There's, 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 no, there's numerous scriptures and, and, and different, different directives of what a child of God does, what a, what a child of God doesn't do, and what a child of God values. And that's, our, that's your job as an individual to grow that relationship and, and broaden your, your understanding of what it means to be a child. So for the rest of the time, we're going to be in Galatians 3. And if you want to flip there, if you have your Bibles, you can flip there. It would be really good for you to read it yourself. <clears throat> Galatians three twenty three. So I'm going to read a passage, and then I'll pause, and I'm just going to keep reading throughout. So it says, before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law. <clears throat> now, the law is just referring to an Old Testament or a, a way of, of relating to God previous to Christ. Locked up until the faith, the faith that was come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now, justified is a fancy word that means just as if you never sinned. 
So we're made just as if we've never sinned by faith. By this faith that this is referring to. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So I'm going to keep reading in verse 26. It says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Through faith. For all of you who are baptizing into Christ Jesus have clothed yourself with Christ. So what's important here is I want to pause and point out in verse 26. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Through faith. You see, there's, there's a, God loves all of humanity. You know that, right? It says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And it says in, in, in Timothy, it talks about how, how God wants all men to be saved. That God loves every single person. Every, every person has, has God's heart chasing after them. And he, he desperately desires them to be in relationship with him. But there's something special that happens when we get saved to where we get adopted into God's family. And it happens through, it happens through grace as our faith is activated. Is our faith, this is a key word for tonight, is our faith. And we're going to continue in verse 28. It says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all, in one, all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what Paul is saying here in this letter is he's saying is that there is no Jew or Gentile. There's no African American or Asian. There's no, there's no male or female. There's no Korean or Caucasian. There's no, there's no Scottish or Italian. There's no Spanish or Mac. There's no, there's no any. You see, because in Christ, we are all one. And this is the beautiful family of God. Is that through faith, and you can just look in this room, like, there's, there's, there's many different heritages, there's many different backgrounds, there's many different places where we come from, but the beautiful thing is that in Christ, we are one family, through faith. So, as we keep reading in, in Galatians 4, and just so you know, the Bible was not written in chapters, chapters were added later in order to help us find things. So like this is one letter, meaning that it's not like, it's the, the chapter four is directly related to chapter three. And so we can almost keep reading as like a continuation. So chapter four, verses one, will continue. It says, what I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to the guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery unter, under the elemental or man-made religious or philosophical spiritual forces. And this is what we're referring to earlier, is that when we, before we, before we enter into relationship with God, we are under the influence of these, these man-made religious or philosophical spiritual forces. And we think our thinking is off, we, an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, we get people back, revenge, and, 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 and all of our thinking is totally twisted. And 
before we get saved or before we get born again, our thinking is toxic. Our thinking is leading us to death. Our thinking is self-centered. Our thinking is all about us. Our thinking is all about self-preservation. It's all about us and how we can advance and grow. But when God comes, he changes the way that we think. He changes the forces that are leading us and guiding us. And he, and he changes our, our, he changes the heart he changes our hearts so that we no longer look to external forces to meet those needs, but we actually go to the Father to have those needs being met. So keep reading Ephesians 4, verse 4. It says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. You notice here, like this is just so, like in Western Christianity, so much of Christianity can be made into going to heaven. And, and this is what it says, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, which means to buy back, to literally purchase those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. It doesn't say so that we can go to heaven, it says so we could be adopted to sonship or adopted into his family. Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are God's child, God has made you also an heir. And this is just the amazing story, or this is the amazing truth of Christianity, the amazing truth of what Jesus came to do, which was to adopt mankind and humankind into his family so that we no longer had to be orphans we no longer had to be have to be left to ourselves to to have our internal soul needs met but we can actually go to a loving father a kind and benevolent father who is close to the brokenhearted, who is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, who wants to fight for you, he wants to be with you, he wants to love you, he wants to embrace you, he wants to cry with you, he wants to be and change you and change all of us from the inside out so that we look just like him. In Genesis 1, it talks about how we're made in the image of God. But when, when, when we sinned, when before we come into relationship with God, we are actually, we're made in his image, but the image was, was, was broken, it was disfigured because of sin. And what Jesus came to do was to actually clean up that sin so that we could be made in his image again, so that we could have connection and we could actually look just like our Father in heaven. Now, does that mean that we are going to be perfect? I'm looking at a room, probably not. I'm looking at myself. Definitely not. But there is this, there is this invitation for, from God to us that he wants to invite us to learn to be his kid. Not to be, not to be the Jacob son of Bernie, which is my dad's name. You're not called to be the son of your, yes, we need to honor our parents, but to go on a personal journey to learn how to be his kid. And I'm going to tell you something. It, ta- it takes intentional effort because the world is, is, is drawing us 
to be children of culture, to be children of what's popular, to be children of political agenda, to be children of all these different things, of immorality, and God's calling us to be his children, but it takes intentional effort. So I'm going to go to Matthew 6, and this is where we'll close. I'm going to go to Matthew 6. Jesus, his, uh, Jesus' disciples came to him one day, and they said, teach us how to pray. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, they'd been with Jesus? Can you imagine being with Jesus, and then, like, so you're with Jesus, and you're like, you matter Peter and John, right, are, are next to each other. And they're like, hey, um, Peter, uh, do, do you know how to pray? And Peter's like, John, oh my gosh, you're such an idiot. You don't, you're hanging out with Jesus, you don't know how to pray? You don't know how to pray? And, and, and John's like, no, I don't know how to pray. And Peter's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you, John. You don't know how to pray. He's like, so how, did Jesus teach you how to pray? He's like, oh, I don't need Jesus to teach I know how to pray. Peter's like, I know how to pray. Well, teach me how to pray. He's like, well, that's a personal thing. You know, I can't teach you how to pray. You know, like, and, and obviously this doesn't take place in the Bible. This is just how I imagine maybe how it worked. And so then, and so then, uh, and, and then uh, Matthew, the tax, tax collector, comes over and is like, hey, uh, John's like, hey, Matthew, you know, you, you know how to pray, right? And, and Matthew, oh, yeah. I know, yeah, I know how to pray. Well, how, how do you pray? Well, uh, uh, you... I, yeah, I don't know how to pray. And John's like, well, I, and then as they're talking, and the Jesus starts walking up, and they're like, well, someone's, I, wait, who's going to ask him to pray? And then they're like, I don't know. John, Peter, you ask him. Peter's like, I'm not going to ask him. It'll make me look like an idiot. And then he goes to Matthew. Matthew's like, I ain't asking him. John's like, well, I ain't definitely asking him because I'm Jesus' best friend. And so he, they're like, who's going to do it? Okay, so John's like, well, Matthew's like, rock, paper, scissors. Okay, so rock, paper, boom, boom, boom. Okay, Matthew loses. Matthew's like, Okay, Jesus, um, Peter was wondering, uh, how do we pray, right? Because if you're hanging out with Jesus, it's pretty embarrassing if you don't know how to pray. Um, I don't know, that's just, that has nothing to do with anything. It's just more of how I see it playing out. And so he goes to Jesus, how do you pray? How do we pray? How does this, how does this work? And this is Jesus gives them the model. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gives them this model, which is a template that we should follow, that we're to follow in order to have a relationship and connect and have conversation with God. And this is how it starts in Matthew 6, verse 9. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. And what you have to know about the Jewish people is... God was known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What you have to know about the people of Israel is that Abraham was their father. You know the song? Father Abraham. Okay, don't sing. Okay, stop. <laughs> I sing that to Remmer like every night, so I can't. I don't know, I'm annoyed by it. <laughs> what you have to know about the Jewish people is that Abraham was their father. What we have to understand about the Jewish people is that God, who God was, was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wasn't a personal father. He was a, he was a, 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 benevol he was a benevolent and merciful God, but he was always someone else's father. 
And so we are so familiar with this passage because even at Granville High School, we said the Lord's Prayer before every football game. He says, our Father. And I can imagine the disciples are like, what? Wait, I'm supposed to pray our Father? And Jesus' life mission, like I said in the beginning, was to connect mankind to the Father. To connect mankind, man and womankind, to connect all of humanity to the God of love, of mercy, the God of forgiveness, and the God of creation. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. In my my observation of, of most people, unfortunately, is that most people have no idea how to pray. Most people have no idea how to connect with God as a father and how to view themselves as a son or a daughter. And so what I want to do at the end of this, to close this message, I want to take about seven minutes. And I want to go to a time of personal prayer that I, pr- I want to lead us all in collectively. And what, the purpose, the reason why I want to do this is because I want to give you a model that you can take home with you. I want to give you a model that you can use every day so you can start learning that God is your father. Because me telling you that he's your father will never be enough. See, because we have to go in a place of faith. We have to go into a place of, of hunger and desperation and say, God, I need to know you as my dad. I need you to fill my life. I need you to meet the need for acceptance so I stop going from relationship to relationship. I need you to fill my need for protection so I can stop being a control freak. I need you to fill my need for identity so I stop running and, 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 and giving myself to different, to different things that I know are destroying me. God, you see, because God will meet you in the place of our, he'll meet us in the place of our hunger. He'll meet us in the place of our faith. And so what I'll have us do is, is, is just simple instructions. Is everyone, I'm going to invite everyone to stand up, okay? Now, some of you are going to be able to stay in your seats. Some of you, I'm going to ask you to spread across the room. I'm going to ask you to stay on the front, in front of the tables. So you can go over there in the corner if you want to sit on the ground. You can come up here in the front of the stage. You can go over to the sides. You can start moving now. Start moving, it's okay. Just kind of find a space for yourself. Some of you are like, I hate, well, I can't sit Indian style, so I never like sitting on the ground, but. Spread out, try to stay, just stay out of the cafe, stay out of the cafe, try to stay towards the front. Stay towards the front. And space out, and if you're just gonna stay at your seat, stay at your seat, but try to move your chair just away from people so you can have a little bit of space to yourself so you can sit down. So, it's going to be pretty simple. It's not going to be complicated. Uh, actually, my goal is to show you how easy it is for us to go to God and start to know him as our father. i show you how simple it is and how we've overcomplicated this thing. Now, it's as simple as just going to him. So, I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. 
And I'm going to ask you just to take three deep breaths, just in through your nose, out through your mouth, just deep breaths. Just to relax yourself. Now, I'm going to be giving some instructions for what to say. Uh, you can either whisper it softly under your breath, or you can kind of just say it in your mind. But I'm going to ask everyone to participate. Even if you're, even if you're not really uh, pursuing God, you came because someone invited you, I really encourage you just to try it. See if God actually meets you in a place to where even if you're doubting, he meets and shows up. And you can sense his presence. So remember Jesus is, is teaching his disciples to pray and he just says start off by saying our father so with your eyes closed I just want you just to say God I thank you for being my dad thank you for loving me unconditionally Father, you know, you know me better than I know myself. And you love me with your whole heart. Just thank you for loving me. Even in my doubt. Even in what seems to be a broken person that I am, you're my father. Thank you for loving me. I'm getting a picture right now. Some of you are probably too, <laughs> I don't know about any of you are, some of you are too young to remember this, but back when Back when I was a kid, only just to keep your eyes closed, back when I was a kid, I'm getting this picture, and it's going to be for, for, for some of you just to realize how much God loves you and how much he just accepts you and, and, and is crazy about you. Back when I was a kid, my dad had a wallet. You know the big fat wallets? You know the ones that would like make your dads have back pain? You know what I'm talking about? And, but the reason that our parent, my dad's wallet was so thick is because he had the, you know, the picture you know the picture, uh, little spots for pictures of your kids? And my dad always carried pictures of us around. And what I'm getting a picture, what I'm, what I'm sensing is that some of you, God is showing you a picture, just use your imagination, that God is your father and he's carrying your picture around. And he's saying, that's my girl. He's going up to the angels and he's like, hey, do you know, do you know my girl? That's my girl. And it's this, this, this fatherly knowing of who you are. So just, just say, thank God, thank you for loving me. Say, Father, thank you for being my dad. Father, thank you for Accepting me 
for who I am. Thank you for protecting me even when I didn't see it. Thank you for being my provider for all these years. And I was just, now we're going to ask the Father, say, Father, would you teach me how to be your kid? Would you teach me how to be your son? Even though I feel like Shrek, and I don't know how to act or behave sometimes, and Feel, some, feel like a misfit at times. Would you teach me, Father, how to be your son or daughter? There's a verse in the New Testament that says, and Jesus says it. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And so many people question whether or not God loves them. And Jesus made a statement for all of eternity when he hung on the cross and he gave his life for every person that would ever live. And what the Father was saying through the life of Jesus was that you're worth it. I love you. And I want to change your life from the inside out if you'll let me. So I know a lot of us in this room have a relationship with God. A lot of us in this room have been on a journey as we're in a relationship with God. But I want you just to, in your own thinking and in your own way, ask God and ask the Father, not that there's levels in Christianity, but just to make your relationship with Him even more real than what it is. Whatever state you're in, Just express that to him in your own words. Just with sincerity. Say, Father God, I just... Change me from the inside out. Just thank you for loving me. Change me, God. Change me, Father. started out this way and I I said um, in John 14 it says Jesus is talking and he says I am the way the truth and the life no one can come to the father except through me
if you're here and you've never made a decision, you've never made a stand to forsake your own life and to live a life for God, to live a life dedicated to following Jesus, to live a life of daily relationship with, with, God, with Father God. If you've never made that decision, or maybe you need to remake it tonight, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Would everyone just, uh, would everyone just stand up? Would everyone just stand up? Just grab uh, the hand of someone close to you. And we're just gonna, we're just gonna kind of pray to close as a, as a, as a family, as a community. Was that, <laughs> hope, was that easy? Was that like easy enough? You see how easy it is to connect with the Father? How simple it is just to go to God in prayer? And that's the thing that I truly believe will change us, is daily connection with the Father. Daily connection with His, with, with his love for us. So with everyone, uh, would you just raise your hands up, just in a, in a posture of just victory. And so just say, say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room. I pray that you instill a hunger in me. Give me passion. Open my ears to hear what you're saying throughout my day. Open my eyes to see the work that, you've, that you're doing in my life. And would you open up my heart to receive your love and acceptance like never before. In Jesus' name.